Hey mama, my name's Diana Ballard and welcome to the Mom Training Podcast. Prior to becoming a mom, I realized that if I wanted to continue living a life of passion, adventure, and fulfillment, I needed to learn from people who lived that way while having a family. In 2012, I started interviewing any mom that would talk to me. After hundreds of interviews, I found a pattern that the moms who struggled less all had similar foundational skill sets, mindsets, and habits. I started Mom Training, our live workshops, and the Mom Training podcast to continue my research process in a way that included other moms and families. My goal is to help other moms increase their joy, love, and fulfillment by creating an environment where we can learn and thrive together. Come learn the skill sets and strategies for a happy home, peaceful relationships, inspiration to be your best self, and more than enough time to do what you love while enjoying your family. Welcome to the mom training community where we learn, cry, and laugh together as we navigate motherhood. I'm Diana, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. Hey ladies, I just wanted to throw this out there that this is a more mature conversation that's definitely needed, but you should probably not listen to this around your children because we do discuss things openly And so put on those headphones, listen to it by yourself, but this is a really important topic to cover. So I hope you will really dig into this episode and learn what you need to, to help inform yourself and your family about how to talk about the birds and the bees. Hey ladies, welcome to the mom training podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the birds and the bees and how to have a conversation with our kids. Now, if you're anything like me, it may be a slight bit uncomfortable to think about getting into those kind of conversations, especially when we have young children or, you know, children that are in their teens or their tweens or wherever it is, it can be an uncomfortable topic for us, but Today, we have Amy Lang with us today that's going to help us navigate through that conversation to make it so that it's not a scary thing and that we can be comfortable and prepared to have that conversation with our kids. So Amy, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as we get started today? Sure thing. So I am a parent and I'm also a sexuality educator. And I had been a sexuality educator working with teenagers and adults and doing all the usual birth control, pregnancy stuff with them. And I had just assumed I was going to be a total rock star when I had kids and it was time to talk with them, talk with them about sexuality. And my son, when he was about five, he was getting ready for a bath. And he said, he said, he grabbed his penis and he said, Hey, mama, did you know And I stood there and I thought, oh no, please do not tell me it feels good to touch your penis because I've got nothing. And so I'm standing there and I did the poker face thing like we're supposed to do right when our kids shock us. And I was just like, what? And he said, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I was, and I thought, I just said, great, get in the bathtub. And that's when I realized I was not going to be a rock star. And so I, you know, I wanted my spouse and I to be, you know, his go-to source. And I realized I needed to get my poop in a group and figure this out. So I just started doing a bunch of research into, you know, how and when should we be talking to young kids? What does that look like? Uh, What's the age? Like all the usual questions. And I dove into that. I also have a background. uh, My master's degree is in adult education. So I just had this brainwave and I thought, oh, hey, 
hey, I could I could combine my two favorite things, talking about sex and working with adults. And here we are 16 years later, uh, 17 years later, and my company is called Birds and Bees and Kids. And so I've been working from with families from all walks of life. My specialty is parents of kids 12 and younger. So I know with you and your kiddos, we are in the sweet spot for this conversation. So um, I'm really excited to help you with this. I know how challenging it can be. I've been there and I'm a sex educator, right? So it was that funky space of, I've got all the knowledge. I have a child. I don't know what to do. So I figured that out. And Milo is now 21. So he has launched, he appears to be healthy and happy, you know? So anyway, that's my story. Cool. Well, and I will say that um, you know, these conversations do need to happen earlier nowadays because it's introduced all over the place if we like it or not. You know, even if we try to be careful as parents, I know for me, um, I got introduced to um, sexual things at a neighbor's house when I was eight and I had no idea what it was. It seemed very scary to me and I never talked to my parents about it. And so I, and honestly, that has caused so much mental and emotional and physical damage to myself because I didn't have any type of, I had no idea what I was seeing or, you know, it just, it really can damage a little kid with not having the correct knowledge and being exposed to it. Cause it can seem kind of scary to yeah. them, you know, if yeah. they don't know what it is or why people are doing what they're doing or things like that. Yeah, for sure. And so that is like one of the biggest reasons to start the conversations with your children when they are really young. I'll give you the age in just a few minutes. I'm going to warm you into it um, is because of that exact thing. That's about their health and their safety. You know, at the end of the day, that is our only job as parents. That is it. Nothing else. And talking with them about sexuality is part of that, a part of that health and safety. So one of the ways I think about this and encourage you to think about it is that this is about preparing them. It's about preparing them for this important part of life. You were not prepared. It was super hard on you. And so if you kind of, we used to think about like, like, don't do it. Like it was all about prevention. And if you do do it, use birth control and you need to wait and all this, like, um, yes, of course, the safety stuff, but the reality is that, you know, we're not going to get our way, right? Um, but if we think about this in terms of preparing our kiddos, they're going to, you're going to feel better. They're going to do better. They're going to be, you know, I believe that knowledge is empowering. So it's empowering for you. And then it's empowering for your kids, because I think what we all want is our kids to grow up to be whole, healthy, happy adults. And sexuality is a, is one of the biggest things that we do. Trigonometry. I don't even know what that is. We spend a lot of time focused on academics. And if you look at the adults around you, doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter. What matters is who's healthy, who handles relationships and that kind of thing really well. So this is my, that's my first bit of advice. You need to think about how do I want my child to be prepared for this? What are my hopes for my kid? Um, what are my values around sexuality and relationships? Because if you do that work and focus on that first, it gives you roots. It gives you goals. Like your hopes are your goals, right? Like, you know, I don't think anybody wants their 17 year old having sex, but guess what? That's the average age kids get busy. 
Um, everybody's done something sexual by the time they're 19. And so we know this, this is, you know, research, science, study after study shows us this. So if we know that, then how are you going to help your child be ready for that inevitability? And so that's the first thing for me is always around like, what are your hopes? What are your values? And then, um, you know, how do you want your kids to be prepared for this? And one of the easiest ways to do that is to do exactly what you just said. You said, I was not prepared for this. It was scary. It was confusing. It hurt my heart. It hurt my body. Right. Um, so I know you don't want that <laughs> right for your kids. So um, so I have the antidote, right, which is open conversations about sexuality with your children. Um, so I'm going to pause there. Questions, thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that sexuality just isn't talked about very much. So us as parents don't really have any, like, skills in how to do it. It's just like, oh, you're just supposed to sneak into the closet and have the conversation and get it over with. And then your kid can be weirded out for a little bit. This is honestly like what I like feel like it's been taught as is like, you know, you get it over with and, or you just avoid the conversation and like, hopefully it'll, you know, work its way out once they, you know, get married and stuff. I will say that, you know, there are a lot of marriages that they're, intimate life is not very good because no one taught them about any dynamics or, you know, what helps with things or, you know, and I, I like thinking about it now, like having those conversations with my daughter or my other kids, like so sounds a little bit like, whoa, that's, that seems a little much to be teaching my own children. But at the same time, I'd rather teach her than have her, you know, or my other kids learn there's lots of things they could learn outside of me that, you know, I, I would like to be able to like help foster a healthy sexuality and how to en enjoy it without shame or um, just, just the, the regular dynamics yeah. and that it's a normal thing that we need as humanity. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's some myths around this too, which uh, the first one you just said is it's a one and done right? You get the sex talk out of the way and then you do this. So that's a total myth. Another myth is that um, if they have questions, they'll come to you and ask them, right? When we wait for them to ask us questions and we're making their sexuality education their responsibility, it is 100% not their job to ask us questions. It is our job to be providing information to them. For example, my darling child at one point told me he would rather talk to strangers than me or his dad about sex. And then I also, he said that, and then he also said he would never, ever ask us a question. He, um, the stranger thing, I don't know, but he literally never asked us a question as far as I can tell. Yeah, he didn't. So we had to be really clever about having conversations with him when he didn't know what was happening and being sneaky. And then just, I would just pin him down and say, we got to talk about this thing. Um, because again, it's our responsibility. It was my responsibility. So some kids are super reticent. Um, the other myth is about when to start the conversations. So in most um, school systems, except for the ones that have terrible sexuality education or none, um, the they generally do some kind of sex ed and can't see me with the air quotes, um, in starting in fifth grade. And so we have this idea that, okay, that's the time for the sex talk is fifth grade. And like you just said, essentially, it's too late. 
it's too late, especially now, especially the way information about sexuality and relationships comes at our kids and comes to them and comes from their friends and comes from all different sources. So they're already getting ideas. And by fifth grade, which is 11, 10, right? Mm-hmm. They got, that's 10 years. That is 10 years of data gathering. So the answer is, of course, like you said, it's you. It's you putting your big kid underpants on, sucking it up and having these conversations. And I think that, um, I get, I get it. Like it is, it is like, it's hard. Like we don't have the information we needed. Our parents didn't talk to us. Our caregivers were not there for us. We got the information too, you know, it's too little too late. And, you know, we made decisions that were on the fly and we didn't know what we were doing. And then, you know, and then here we are as adults with this, maybe if you're lucky, like a fab sex life, you worked it out or meh or none. So let's do the, let's do the, the age. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Maybe breathe. Everybody take a breath. Here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're good. So I did not know. I did not know. I knew I had all those myths in my head. And so finally, I'm like, alrighty, who is doing the best? Who in the world has the best teen sexual health outcomes, right? So we want lowest HIV, STI, and pregnancy rates. That's what we're looking for when we look at teen health outcomes, generally speaking. Um, so I'm poking around and it's not a surprise in Scandinavia, it's the Netherlands. They do the best. So they are number one in teen, you know, healthy teen sexual health outcomes and the United States, we are number one in the worst. So the Netherlands is the best and the U S is the worst and the worst by quite a bit. So I'm looking at their culture and what are they doing? And so they have a few things going on. First of all, they have a very sex positive culture. And what that means is they see sexuality as a positive, wonderful, good part of life, right? Which we should see it that way because when it's going right, it's great, right? So that's the first thing. Sometimes people hear the word sex positive and they think that means it's like, all right, go ahead and have sex with whomever you want, swinging from the rafters, multiple people. No, it just means simply it's a good thing. The next thing is that they are um, just really open about it. They have conversations about it. They're not weird about it. They see it as a normal, healthy part of life. Uh, the other, the last thing is that their kids have sexuality education starting in kindergarten, going all the way through. So there's no not knowing. Now, where I live in Washington state, this is called comprehensive sexuality education. There is a lot of misinformation about what that means. They are not talking to kindergartners about oral sex. They're just not. They're talking to kindergartners about bodies and boundaries and families and healthy friendships, because that's the basis for everything else. They don't get to that rougher stuff until middle, middle and high school. Um, not rougher, more mature stuff. <laughs> so what we take away from that is that it works. It works that all that works. And um, so my belief is that in our families, we should all be little Netherlands, right? All those things. And so my takeaway was that kids should know by the time they're five, how starting out with reproduction. So exactly how babies are made, right? It always takes a sperm and an egg, and it usually requires a penis going into a vagina, right? 
Um, and then of course there are a bunch of other ways that babies come to be. So talking with your kids openly about this is the usual way a baby is made, saying things like it's not for kids, it's for later in life, this is something people agree to do, you don't have to do it. Um, it feels good to their grown up bodies and it's called sex or sexual intercourse or making love and talking about, you know, ideally you love your partner. And again, back to this idea of consent, everybody agrees, not for kids. Now, those three little words, penis enters vagina, makes most people have a tiny heart attack. <laughs> and here's the thing you need to remember. When you think about that, maybe you've done that right? You have your experience, your experience as a sexual person, your sexual experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, your baggage, right? So you come in and you look at your kid and you look at your five-year-old and you're like, oh, hell no. I'm not talking to you about that. But the thing you need to remember is that your five-year-old doesn't know any of that. They're coming in, I think about them as an empty vessel and you have this opportunity to fill them up with healthy, accurate, values-based information. And so um, think about it this way. So if you tell your child, this is how butter is made and this is how a baby's made, it is the same to them, right? Butter, baby making, whatever. So for those of you who have already told your five-year-old about this and their, you, the reaction is generally, oh, huh, that's weird. Did you do that, right? Like they don't care. They don't know. We're the ones that come in with this freak out mentality. They do not get weird about it at all. That's us. We bring that to the party. So, and, and it's science, right? It's science. And like you said, it is so much better for them to hear it from you. You're going to share your values. You're going to be accurate. You're going to establish like one of the reasons to start so soon is that you establish yourself as the go-to got a question? I'm your person. Here's how you know I'm your person. I open my mouth and talk about it. So saying to a kiddo, you can ask me anything you want, but then never providing any information that doesn't tell them that you, you know, they don't, as far as they know, you don't know, know nothing, right? You don't talk about it. So five is the ideal time. Um, there's some really great books. Uh, one of my very favorites is It's So Amazing. Um, it'll be in the show notes. Um, it's so, it's comprehensive. It's sex positive. It's funny. Uh, Roby Harris's language is terrific. Um, and so I love that book. She has another one for younger kids that's called It's Not the Stork. Same story. And I am a super fan of books, right? You don't know all the details. I don't know all the details. So by reading a book with your kid, <laughs> They're not going to notice your sweaty upper lip and your glass of wine as you're like, oh my God, I just, I can't believe it's had penis and vagina. Um, so ideally that's what, that's ideal, right? But I get it. Not, that's not going to happen for everyone. So there you go. Five. How are you doing? Wow. Interesting. Well, I have a five-year-old that I haven't talked to about that. So I guess what, what is your best way to go about that? Cause like with my seven-year-old, like we've had that conversation multiple times and a lot of it's come from having animals and watching that happen. Oh, why is the puppy humping that? It's because, well, <laughs> dominance and other things, right? You know, we have those conversations, um, you know, we've talked about periods and we've talked to, you know, she's very well educated with that and asking questions and things about that. Um, but yeah, like, I guess like, how do I like drop it to my five-year-old little boy you know, and then also with, with the concern of like, if you talk to them about something like that, is it going to bring interest to that area 
you know, is it going to create anything inappropriate for their age? Like, get what I'm saying? Like, that's where I think the concerns are is like, you know, I can take him out to dinner and teach them, teach him like, Hey, I wanted to teach, you know, or even just, you know, I wanted to talk to you about how babies are made or whatever, you know? Um, but I guess the fear that comes with that is like, is it gonna, like, is it gonna be okay? Like, is he gonna run with it in a direction that I'm uncomfortable with? Or is it, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I guess I want to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. So first of all, he doesn't know what he doesn't know, right? Again, he doesn't know there's anything yucky, bad, embarrassing, or shameful about this. He doesn't know there's anything amazing, terrific, wonderful, marvelous about it. So, and same with your seven-year-old. I'm really glad to hear that you have been talking about this and thank goodness for animals, right? Like perfect opportunity, right? To lead the conversation. So what I would do um, is I would say, you know, hey, you know what? You're old enough now to for us to talk, start talking about how babies are made, bodies, and different kinds of families. So I'm going to get you a book and we can read it. You're already reading, right? Yeah. It's a normal part of your family life. You don't have to be the, you know, Wikipedia of sex education for your kiddo. And so just, hey, let's read it and read it with all of them. That you have a three-year-old, did you yeah, say? Seven, five, three, and one. Yeah, the three-year-old's not going to get a thing. Yeah. They'll just always know the five-year-old and the seven-year-old. Um, they'll probably get goofy with each other. Just read it together. Because again, what we want to do is normalize, is normalize, normalize, normalize. We talk about this in our family. We don't have secrets about this. We're open about it. You know, we're your go-to. Um so don't make any events. Like don't say, okay, we're going to take you out for dinner. We're going to have a sex talk. Okay. It just makes them bananas. It doesn't make it normal. Like, do you say, okay, we're going out to dinner. We're going to talk about death. Right. You don't do that. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but right. You don't do that. Right. So we don't want to do that with this either. Um, so just a couple other things about that. They don't know what you're up to make a schedule, make a list. I have a, um, a thing called the birds and bees solution center. It's got everything you need to talk with them about. You can put it on your calendar. It's like, okay, I got to talk about periods. Like don't worry about being organized about this. Cause they're just not even gonna notice, especially in the age group they are. So when they get into being tweens, they might start noticing you being a little tweaky. Um, but I want to answer your other question. And then I want to talk about how to introduce the conversation with kids who are a little bit older, if you've kind of missed the five boat. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, no is the short answer by talking with them openly about this. Um, it is setting them up for the future, right? You're preparing them for the future. You should say very clearly, this is not for kids. It's for later in life. We'll be talking about it a lot. So you feel good about this part of life and it's not your job to talk with other kids about this. It's their parents' job. So You got to plant some seeds. Generally speaking, they don't test drive. They don't try it out. Um, that being said, kids do, and kids, you know, we develop sexually just like we develop, you know, intellectually, socially, emotionally. And so sexuality in young children looks like playing doctor, right? Getting married. It's usually curiosity based. It's usually um, playful. They see it as a game. So if they know how babies are made, they might try sort of like pretend humping to make a baby, but generally speaking, they don't do that. They don't do that. So if that's a front and center worry for you, shove it in the dark place because you're not serving them. Because here's the other thing. When you're open with your kids about this, they are safer from sexual abuse. This is something that you can do that is really protective 
The reason it's protective is because those guys look for kids who are clueless. So if you make it clear in your family, we talk, oh God, we talk about sexualities and bodies and boundaries. If you just sort of casually drop that, especially if you have a creepster in your family or you get a funky vibe from somebody, um, they will, they will not most likely, the less likely to mess with your kids. Um, one of the tips around this is to use correct names for private body parts. Um, so it's, yes, there's a vagina, but you can't see a vagina. So the correct world word for the female body parts or outside parts that you can see is a vulva. So you have vulva, penis, vagina, anus, like testicles, all the parts. Um, and so again, it kind of comes back to that person who might be preying on your child. If you're having a big family, you know, Thanksgiving is just around the corner somehow. And you're at this big Thanksgiving dinner and your child announces at the top of their lungs, you know, mom, my vulva itches. A- they're going to be like, oh my God, but B, if there's <laughs> someone who is praying, who is a groomer, they're going to hear that and they're going to stay away from your child. They're going to be wow. less likely. So we see this in, you know, study after study, looking at kids and sexual abuse. So, you know, that when I learned that I was anxious about this five-year-old thing, I was like, oh God. Um, and then I was, when I read that, I was like, all right, I'm all in. I'm all in. If this is going to keep my child safer from that, then I'm all in. Um, and, you know, if this is hard, right, it's hard. We don't know what we're doing. Like you said, like we didn't have any good examples of this. We're all kind of uh, learning on the job, right? I don't <laughs> I was, I do PTA, like PTA lectures. And one time years ago, I'm in a gym. I don't know, there are like 30, 50 people there. And there's a guy stand, standing way across the gym. And I said, well, where'd you get your information? And he yelled, Amy, I learned on the job. It was really funny. That's funny. I learned on the job. So, you know, um, yeah. So I just want to let you sit with that, see what you think, any clarifications. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really like that, um, perspective too, and knowledge pretty much that, you know, the more educated our kids are, it protects them. Um, because yeah, you're right. Like someone that is able to identify cer certain parts of the body, like they are very good at communication, right? They can say what's going on with their body. Like I, I just, I love that idea. And that honestly motivates me more to have the conversations that need to be had to protect them from things like that, because it is not fun to have things like that happen. Right. It, it really can mess with you a lot, you know, to have sexual abuse happen, especially with someone that you're supposed to trust or, uh, you know, just in a, in a situation where you felt like you were safe um, so yeah, I, I, I love that idea. And that right there was enough motivation for me. Like, you know, cause the thing is, is, you know, you need to, right. Like I know I, like you said, okay, the five, like, okay, I need to have the conversation with my five-year-old, but now there's like a bigger purpose of like, why I want to make sure that that happens successfully. Yeah. So that's like the, it's like the push. And then if you think about the big picture, 
Of course, we want our kids to be ready for this part of life, right? Of course you do. You want them to be safe. You want them to understand consent. If pregnancy is on the table, well, it doesn't even matter if pregnancy is on the table, off the table. Everybody needs to know about birth control and STIs and what a healthy relationship looks like. And, um, and you know, having conversations about different kinds of families and gender and sexual orientation, uh, because, you know, you can't, well, you know, with the LGBTQ stuff, you can't tell by looking if your kid is something other than straight, right? You just can't. And so, you know, you have to make sure everybody knows about everything and, you know, whatever your values are about that at the end of the day, you want your child to be healthy and safe. And, um, you know, one thing that lots of folks don't know about LGBTQ kids is that their suicide rate is four times higher than the general population. Nobody wants that. Um, I hate that. I hate that comparison. It's like, hey, let's talk about suicide. Um, but the one thing that keeps those those queer kids on the same level with the general population is parental support. Is parental support. So it is vital that you get your poop together. You get your poop in a group. You figure this out for yourself um, because you want your child to be able to talk with you. And there's tons of support for parents and all kinds of things. But, you know, again, for me, it comes back to health and safety. So you being well-informed, informing your child, being there for your child, no matter who they are, um, is going to, they're going to be better off in the long run. And one of the other things that happens with these conversations and being open and, and initiating these conversations is that you'll be closer to your child. It, yeah. it increases closeness. Um, so, which is of course something, again, we all want, we all want. So, so I do want to talk about what to do if you haven't started the conversation and yeah. your kids are five, right? Um, so all is not lost. We'll just start there. Um, so if your kids are seven and under, just get a book, get a book, throw it in with the nightly reading, read it yourself first. Uh, it's not the stork and it's not, it's so amazing. You're going to feel like too much information. They are absolutely not. Um, they're research-based. They're fun. It's coming from you. You can talk about your values. They're safe. So just read it. And they're only going to get so much, right? You can't, they aren't going to understand everything and you have this safe resource for them. So that's easy. If your kids are eight and older, uh, what I would recommend you do is you just, you say, Hey, you know what? I'm really sorry. It's very important to apologize. I'm really sorry. We should have been talking about bodies and puberty and baby making and relationships and romance and all that stuff. You're old enough. Now we're going to start doing that. I'm going to get some books and we're going to start talking about it. And that's it. That's it. And then you get books and you start talking about it. The nice thing about older kids is that you have, um, they get it more quickly. So you don't have to read like Milo would bring me like, I have this clear memory. He bought me, brought me three of our books about the birds and the bees and he wanted to read them all. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this again. I started skipping pages and he says every word, mama every word. So we had to, you know, a lot more repeating and when they're younger, um, and so you get quicker with their older, you don't have to say as much. Um, it's kind of, you know, don't have to keep going over it and over it and over again. So, you know, they should know the basics of everything by the time they start middle school. So by sixth grade or so they need to know pretty much all of it, not in detail. Like you don't have to be Wikipedia, but they need to have a basic understanding of all the things. Cool. I, I can tell you, I am like going to go order those books once we get off here, because I mean, just the, the thought of how to teach it in a safe way, in a, a child's way, 
where I don't have to put all the words together sounds really nice and intriguing to me of like, how is that going to work? I'm excited to read it and see like what it's like, you know? And like, I mean, I, and I was also thinking about just like adding the books in like, you know, the, the regular reading and how the nanny is going to feel when she finds it, <laughs> you know, she's like, oh my goodness. Okay. This is not what I was thinking. You know, I'll have to prime her as well that these books are in there. And if they want to read them, then try to keep as calm as possible. <laughs> she trying to read these books to them because we're trying to make it normal in this house. So yeah. 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 And if you trust her, right. If you trust her, that's the other thing. Okay. And if she's yeah. not going to be comfortable, then you might stash them. I wouldn't, okay. I mean, if she's been in your family for a couple of years and you have a really good relationship and you trust her values and all that, then I would say, go ahead. Um, but I would, I would not necessarily, um, so don't just leave them out. Not for her. I like yeah, not, okay. I don't know. I mean, you just need to tell her they're around and that you're talking about. So what I would definitely do is like, Hey, we started these conversations. They may have questions. Will you just point them back to me okay. and their dad, right. Instead of trying to take them on and, and then she needs to let you know, right. Hey, they wanted to know about this today or whatever. Um, so they need to let you know, comes, comes back to you, comes back to you, comes back to you. Okay. I do have another question. Um, and this is going to be a little bit vulnerable. Um, so what if your kids end up hearing you and your spouse, right? Um, obviously that's going to be a slightly embarrassing moment. So that has not happened to me yet, but I, you never know, right? That that could happen at any time, right? Especially when you have a very healthy sex life. So like, what, how do you go about that conversation? Right. You know, like when they've been little, you know, like, why aren't you dressed? Oh, I was just going to get in the shower. Right. Like, you know, there's things, but like, as they get older, they can kind of understand a little bit. Like, why are you, you know, like you're not in the bathroom? Like why? Anyway. So I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are on that. Cause I know that that's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of us parents, because like, we never want to get, you know, <clears throat> found out. Right. Even though it's like, well, Anyway, like how, how do we navigate that uncomfortable moment for us as parents to make it not so awkward for everybody involved? Okay. A, congratulations. <laughs> B, because you know, most people dry up in that department. Um, so a couple of things. So first of all, I would um, initiate a knock first policy. So what that means is for everybody, if the bedroom door is closed, you knock first and wait to be invited in. Okay. So, and have them practice that. And so you say, just a minute, please. Right. And make them wait so you can get yourself together, imagining this. Um, and same for them too. So you practice that with them. So that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is that they're pretty oblivious. So if you do, like, if you're not normally naked around your house, you know, or in your bedroom or whatever, and it's like, oh, I was just getting dressed or I was on my way to the shower or, um, that kind of thing. If they overhear you and are like, what the hell was that? You have a variety of things you can say. The older your child is, is you can say, you know, we're grownups and we're married. 
and see what they do with that. And then if you, or you can say, oh, daddy and I were just having some private time. You can say that. And then why are you making noises? And you can say that sometimes happens. And then just a full redirect, look at the shiny thing. Do you want some pancakes, whatever, you know, eventually they'll put two and two together and, um, and they're going to be grossed out by it. Right. I mean, I don't know. I heard my parents having sex and I thought I was going to die. Right. I thought I was going to die. I was so grossed out. I actually opened their bedroom door and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I think I was 10. And I remember the next day I told my brother and my best friend and my brother's like, his bedroom was below theirs. And he's like, oh yeah, I hear that all the time. So it didn't phase <laughs> him, right? So um, don't assume it's going to be traumatic. You can assume like if they're eight and over, they're just going to think it's gross. They may say, do you do that? And you say, yes, it's part of a healthy marriage. Look at that shiny thing over there and do a redirect. Um and if they say why, you can say, this is one of my favorite, this is a sideline, side note parenting thing. Um, when if they say why, you can just say, oh, because that's the way it is. You can say that to any why. Like if the why they go down the why rabbit hole, you have a three-year-old, right? Flipping why? Because that's the way it is. Done. Don't have to keep, you don't have to answer every question. You just don't. So um, I would not worry about that. Right. And again, if you're getting it on, go you. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. That, those are very good tools. I, uh, I'm going to go back and re-listen to this myself. So I know how to respond to things, because I think that really is what it is too, is when we don't have any type of, so in like in moments when something happens, we resort back to our lowest level of training. And so like, if we've had zero training and what to say, and, you know, how to respond, it's probably not going to be that, you know, it could be like a get back to your room. Why are you even, blah, blah, blah. you know, it could, instead of just being like, oh, you know, blah, 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 you know, um, and redirecting, like you were saying. So, yeah, I think that's a really good, you know, arsenal to have there of like, you know, what would I say, you know, if that happened, you know, and we try, you know, as parents, we try to avoid like, oh, it, I, I just don't want it to happen. So I'm just not even going to think about Right. <laughs> what I would do if it happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's again, in the preparation, it's wise for us to have some responses, you know, that we can, we can turn to and, um, you know, practice in our mind. Cause it really, it really does come back to that. What we've practiced mm -hmm. is what's going to come out of your mouth. If you practice mm -hmm. nothing, who knows what the heck's going to come out of your mouth. Exactly. 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 Um, and, you know, and speaking of what comes out of your mouth, I have a new book. It's called sex talks with tweens, what to say and how to say it. Awesome. And it is what to say. So it's scripts on pretty much everything you need to talk with your tweens about, which doesn't mean you can't dumb it down or dumb it up, right? Um, I did. I picked tweens because it's just so important that things get taken care of. Yeah. Um, and when in practice makes progress, right? So if there's something that's really hard for you to talk about, you can read the script yourself, think about it, add your values, and then get it out of your mouth to your kiddo. Um, they're also a bunch of tips and tricks for talking with kids. Um, and, you know, I don't, you don't have to know every flipping thing, right? There are lots of resources out there. The reason I wrote this book is because people always ask, say, say to me, just tell me what to say. Yeah. So you got it. Right. Awesome. And you're listening to me, right? We're talking right now. So yeah. I am who I am. Who I am. I, I'm like this everywhere. And so the book is very similar to this with more swears, frankly. <laughs> 
you know, we all could use a little bit of that every once in a while. So <laughs> I love it. Okay. So where can people find you to connect with you more? So I have a pod, yeah, birdsandbeesandkids.com. And then I have a podcast called Just Say This. And it's all, it's advice column style. So people call in, leave me a question. I answer the question on the show. Uh, it's a potluck. So I might have a question from a parent of three-year-old and I might have a question from a parent of 13-year-old because wow. I believe we need to hear all of it. The parent of the 13-year-old has something to learn from the conversation or the question about the three-year-old. Um, and then, yeah, my new book, Sex Talks with Tweens, it's available in all the usual places. So birdsandbeesandkids.com, just say this, Sex Talks with Tweens. Awesome. Amy, this was so informative. Thank you so much. I I feel like I definitely need to go through and listen to this again and kind of really internalize and like think about my personal game plan, like getting those books would be a really good step for me to, because I do want it to be a comfortable thing and, you know, be able to, oh, this is just how it, this is how it is, you know, this, this is how it is, you know. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us and for educating the world on, on how to create healthy um, humans, right? Through yeah. healthy sexuality. Well, so, and then good news is again, like starting young really is easier because you don't, it's just easier stuff. They're less judgmental, right? You can fill them up yeah. with your values and the information. And so then when it gets to be where they're like, I don't want to talk to you, you already know they have the basics. You've already established that you do this in your family. And then um, you know, you remember like in middle and high school, it was all about relationships and crushing and you're still like, what's wrong with my body. Right. And yeah. it was all a soup. So, you know, again, let's think about the long game, right? Think about the long game. And if you need to bring your spouse into this conversation, um, oftentimes, as you know, we mommies lead the charge with things. Um, I would, um, see if he'll listen to the podcast episode. Um, just say, Hey, this was super interesting. Don't say anything else then. Um, and then I would, um, have a conversation about your hopes for your kids in this and then how you learned and that combo pack should get, should get some lean in if he's yeah. resistant, he might not be resistant, but they all tend to be a little weird about it. Well, and I think introducing the books too, yeah, is yeah. an easier way to get yeah. your husband involved. Yeah. Yeah. And if he, you know, if he's like, they're too young, then trot out the sexual abuse thing. Yeah. Terrible. Wow. Might as well use it for good. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. That was good. So, um, ladies, I hope you have learned something today. Uh, I, I know that I sure have, and I'm going to apply it to my life because I, I want to make sure that I'm setting my kids up for success now and in the future. So I definitely recommend um, looking up her book and going to her to Amy's website. Um, and so I hope you have a great rest of your day. And ladies, we'll see you next Tuesday on the Mom Training Podcast. Hey mama, thank you so much for hanging out with me and letting me be a part of your day. If you'd like to see how I apply some things that we talk about, tips, some mom humor, or just to connect deeper, Follow me on Instagram at Diana Ballard Live. If this episode or any episode was helpful for you, please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. It's literally the lifeblood for a podcaster, and it helps me so much. If you'd like to learn more about me or mom training and how we can help you implement more things you learn here on the Mom Training Podcast, 
to make life flow smoother, to be more fulfilled, and create and protect what you love, head to dianaballer.com. There are free downloads, online programs, our mom training membership with our monthly workshops, and other resources to help you create the life you want. Thanks for tuning in. Know I'm always rooting for you and believing you. I am Diana Ballard, and this is the Mom Training Podcast.